Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 87. I am really excited to bring you today's chat with Dr. Carrie Jones uh, because hormones are something that affect so many of us and uh, it is so important that we start to understand not only the basic lifestyle principles that uh, pave the way for us to have healthy, balanced hormones, but because we've departed so much in modern life from what our DNA understands as as being, uh, you know, healthy and balanced life, we actually need to start understanding and reading into our hormones a little bit more so that we can actually, I often find as we learn a little bit more and get a bit more nerdy on topics like hormones, and we're going to be discussing things like cortisone versus cortisol and how they interplay, and we're talking about the HPA axis and Carrie's rather controversial statement that adrenal fatigue doesn't exist and a whole bunch of other stuff. As we learn all of this stuff, as we do things like get a Dutch test, which we talk about in today's show, and by the way, it's not sponsored in any way. I'm just a a real fan of this test. I think it's got huge potential for um, helping us understand and get some insights um, and get well. Um, But as we learn all this stuff, we often then just realize that the root causes are diet, lifestyle, environmental toxins, etc. And it, it can be sometimes the motivation we need to get back to that really simple stuff. So I know you're going to enjoy today's show. I loved having a chat with Carrie. She's a wonderful, you know, wealth of knowledge as well as just being great and fun to chat to and really makes it easy for us to understand this stuff. So I hope you enjoy the show. Before we hook into the chat, I'd just love to remind you all that we have the wonderful Republica Organic supporting the show this month, and you have a huge 30% off in their store, uh, and Lotox30 is your code, and Republica, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to get their website wrong. Let me pop over now <laughs> and actually just give you the right website, Republica. And of course, I type Replica. You know that way when someone's looking over your shoulder while you're typing and then you can't type properly. That's how I felt right then. So republicaorganic.com.au, Lotox30 is your code and you get 30% off. Now, all of their um, online sales are in bundles of six. So either you absolutely love your coffee and that's not going to phase you at all, or you go in with a friend, share the postage and catch up um, and uh, divvy that up. But you can always get organic uh, Republica Organic products in your supermarket as well if you're in Australia. Um, and hopefully soon around the world, which is exciting. But Jacqueline Arias uh, is a dear friend and she has built such a wonderful uh, company and was one of the first to really drive that point home about fair trade being a non-negotiable in business for her and so many then following when they realised the place where they were getting their things from, whether it be raw materials for skincare products or coffee or chocolate, weren't um, paying their workers a living wage at the bare minimum. And, you know, that's just, that's just not right. And it's not easy to start to peel back all the layers on everything we buy. So I encourage you to start, but just start somewhere, even with one item. But you very quickly realize there are companies that really front and center show us that they are working, um, you know, for people and planet uh, in equal measure at the heart of their business. And they're the ones we want to support. So uh, enjoy that. And of course, don't forget that someone who listens to the show is going to win a, a year's worth of 
Republica Organic uh, supply. So pop to the show notes, do put in the comments and you don't need to go nuts and, and write an essay, but just a little something about why you feel that you're the one to win a year's worth of coffee. Um, I can tell you now, everyone raves about the Timor range that I, the Timor blend that I serve at home when I've got people over. Um, and, uh, and uh, it'd be worth it from, from their, um, their appreciation of the, the coffee that I serve. Everyone's always like, wow, this is delicious. And you know, homemade coffees aren't always that amazing, but my little, my little smeg and me, we do a good job. So the other thing I wanted to tell you about is that the book is now available on pre-order. If you're new to Low Tox Life, that means my book, Low Tox Life. I call everything Low Tox Life. That way it's easy for you to find it. And this book is what I have been working on since last year in July when I was first offered a book deal with the wonderful publishers, uh, Murdoch and, um, and I really feel like we have put together a really great guide, not just for people who will be like you and me nodding our heads furiously going, yes, we need this. This is how the world should be. But for us to gift people who maybe aren't quite so far along their journey and just need some really great lists, tools, ideas, recipes to get themselves going and motivated. It covers food, body, home and mind, all of the low-tox life pillars, and of course, completely underpinned by a sustainability message throughout the book. Um, because regardless of the pillar that we're focusing on, if it's not good for the planet, then hello, the planet is our future. And, um, and we're just shortchanging the future of our kids if we don't do right by planet. So that, that's always there. Um, so I hope you enjoy, um, popping over to the website, um, or the show notes today and clicking get my pre-order book. We've got all the links to places you can get it around the world, Australia, UK and US. Um, Australia's launch is June, UK's launch is uh, end of June, sorry, UK's launch is start of August and USA is going to be solely through Amazon for now and that is start of September. But you can pre-order through all of those and we have some fantastic pre-order goodies for you guys. Please make the most of these goodies. These are um, interviews that we haven't released outside of our e-courses before on all sorts of topics, preconception, inflammation, low-tox kids, Real Food Rockstars and Go Low Tox and uh, really great discounts on beautiful Low Tox brands, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, you can go and have a look and um, and see whether you might want to make the most of it. But when you pre-order, you always get the book for much cheaper than after launch as well. So these guys always tend to discount for pre-orders. So it's worth making the most of it and getting it now. Um, and I really appreciate it. I can't wait till everyone's actually got it and we can chat about it properly. So that's all I wanted to tell you about for now. And I just wanted to just kick off the chat, really. It's such a good chat. Pour yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy my chat with Dr. Carrie Jones all about hormones. Dr. Carrie Jones, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm super good, thank you. And I'm so excited to have you on the show. I came across the Dutch test a few, oh, probably about a, a year ago, I think, for the first time. It was on my radar. And then I started to um, follow uh, that, that specific account on Instagram and your account. And you guys just share the most incredible inflammation. In <laughs> Sorry, can you tell I've got inflammation? <laughs> it's that's, on the brain. Well, that, well, that'll be a later question, yes. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about that later in formation um it's it's a rich feed and I just want to thank you for that because a lot of people 
you know, are just sort of like subpar. And I think something like a Dutch test can really help fine tune people. So I'm so looking forward to talking about that and way more stuff today. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of rapid fire questions, so I'm going to start there and we're just going to get to know Carrie. So here we go. <laughs> Favorite form of dancing? Ooh, anything that just lets me shake my booty. Okay. So I don't have anything specific, but if you turn on some good music, I guarantee you I'll be moving to it. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> you listen to one album forever. What is it? You know, it's funny. Um, I don't have, I guess I would say well, my favorite artist in the world is Sting. But right now on Pandora, I've been listening to a lot of CCR. And Uh-oh. so I, my, and then like, I'd like to shake my booty. So yeah. I have a lot of like Snoop Dogg on there. Oh, cool. So it goes all over. <laughs> that totally reminds me of being 18. I love it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's actually this station in Australia that used to play like, um, really current pop music and they've decided to find their niche in, um, like eighties, nineties. And it's Mm. like, I'm back in my, um, you know, high school, like 16 year old birthday parties again. (laughs) It's just transported me right back. It's so much fun. I just feel, I love that. Yeah, it's great. Um, now what's my next question? Okay. What would you have told your 16 year old self if you could go back? Oh, absolutely. You're on the right path and good gracious. It's good. So just, so just keep, so don't doubt yourself. Just keep going. Yeah. Nice. Um, what book are you reading right now? Uh, well, two. So one I'm reading for the very first time, uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Mm. And then I'm rereading Dr. Ben Lynch's Dirty Jeans. Oh, how um, good is Dirty Jeans? So yeah. good. Yeah, it's I great. Just, yeah, my husband said to me, he was watching me, you know, read it and highlight. And he goes, maybe you should just highlight the things that aren't of interest to you because <laughs> you pretty much have the whole book highlighted. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> have you got it color coded? Uh, not No, I'm not that organized, but uh, I should have. I should have thought of that. <laughs> I know. It's so dense. I totally agree. It's definitely a rereading kind of situation. Um, yeah. Okay. So what do you want to not see being an issue in our world once you have a grandchild? Absolutely. Environmental toxin impact. Um, I find... Right. And I don't, and I don't say that just because (laughs) just, you know, to getting good with you. Uh, I mean it honestly, (laughs) when I'm in being in the hormone world, it's just the amount of research that comes out, um, is, is just so ridiculously scary. And in fact, I'm doing a lecture in a couple of weeks and I was doing all this research into, um, BPA and the effect it has on men and testosterone Mm. and, you know, it lowers their testosterone, raises their estrogen, it affects their sperm and, and it's just so ubiquitous. It's, you know, it's everywhere and it's just so scary. Mm, between the chicken and the plastic containers, the man boobs are proliferating. And yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so nuts. And yep. and I just can't believe people still call it Quacksville to actually raise concerns over this kind of stuff. It's like, you can't be serious. I know, mm. I know. And instead what they're doing, which is driving me nuts, I don't know if you have this there, but here in the States, we have all these testosterone clinics. So men go in with man boobs and erectile problems mm. and they, they just give them testosterone. They don't no. lecture them about, you know, nutrition or diet. They don't check their estrogen. They don't look at anything else. So it's just another and, chance for another long-term oh, yeah. medication situation. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Like yep. that is so broken. Yeah, completely. A hundred percent. 
Oh dear. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Okay. Um, so was it, was it a, a fire in the belly that made you decide to become a naturopathic doctor? Was it a, a, like, I'm mad about this, I need to do something? Wow, this is embarrassing. No, it was a drunken whim. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, well, I should say where I was going to. That's not traditional... really how many naturopaths start. No, not at all. So, well, I was going to medical school as in to become an MD. So yeah. I was pre-med in college, in university and Um, I was working at two different hospitals and I hated both of them. And I thought there is no way I can, if this is what being a doctor is, then I want no part of it. And so I specifically did you not like, I was in, when one hospital, I was in the pediatric wing and it was so sterile and it was all about medications and it was nothing about the patient. And it was just, um, there was no connection. There was no interest. There was no you know, tell me about what your child eats or, you know, like where they, where they grew up or, you know, tell me about the, their birth or the stress or abuse or trauma or any of that. It was just, you know, like here, take this med here, let's do this imaging and draw your blood. Okay. Let's take this med. And, um, I just got really disillusioned. I thought, cause I, at the time I thought I wanted to go into pediatrics and I thought these poor children, these poor kids, yeah. you know, they're so young and they're fighting, for so much. And, and, and I'm, and I'm not saying, um, you know, an antibiotic is never needed. Of course, of course, antibiotics are needed, but it was just the division. There was just between, you know, I don't want to get to know you. I'm just going to give you this medication and and then push you out the door. And, you know, like, and then you can be somebody else's problem. Go back to your primary care. And I thought, I don't, I don't want to do this. This, I don't want to be a part of this system. Mm. But the other hospital that I worked at, I worked in their community division. And we would go out and we would do blood pressure checks and diabetes educations and much more community involvement. And I thought, well, this is what I want to do. But nobody, like, you don't go to medical school to do community. At the time, I didn't know better, you know, community involvement. So what happened was... My girlfriend said, well, I'm moving to Oregon, which is where the oldest naturopathic medical school is in the United States. And she said, will you move with me? Oh, wow. And I said, Oregon, why would I move to Oregon? And um, I might have had a few cocktails too many. And I was like, (laughs) all right, let's go to Oregon. That sounds great. And so I moved to Oregon. And believe it or not, I found the naturopathic school. Um, I actually got hired to work there. And I thought, I I didn't even know what naturopathic medicine was. And I- was instant. I was like, Oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the doctor I'm supposed to be. So if it wasn't for my girlfriend convincing me to move to Oregon, I don't know that I would have found it. That's really amazing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is like, talk about a sliding doors moment. That's super super tiny chance that that could actually completely not have happened. Yeah, I know. Mm. And I would still be, you know, somewhere in the Midwest Mm. (laughs) doing something else. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And how did the Dutch test come about? Like, uh, that was it. So that's interesting. The owner of the Dutch test, the creator of the Dutch test used to work for a different lab company. And I had heard him speak multiple times and really appreciated his knowledge and his education and had a lot of respect for him. Mm-hmm. And I was the medical director of a very large integrative clinic here um, in Oregon outside of Portland. And, um, and for reference for your listeners, since I get asked this all the time, Oregon is the state above California, right yes. above California, right? Yeah. It's funny how many times I get asked that, though. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I yeah. Know, I learned my U.S. geography. I lived in Chicago <laughs> for four years, so maybe that's why. But um, yeah, Probably. Yeah. Mm. So he, um, he had left that lab, created this lab, Dutch. He had just created it, and he said, can I do a presentation to you about this new lab that I'm doing? And he presented 
And I thought this, this is what I need to be doing. This is, this is the technology. This is what I want for my men and my women and my hormone and my stress patients. This Mm -hmm. is what I need. And so after he presented, um, I sent him an email and I said, can I help you? You can, you're a startup and I think you need some help. And he said, well, I can't pay you, but yes, I need a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, wow. So I, I worked for him, you know, I consulted, I should say, for free for about, um, but maybe about a year and a half, two years. And the whole time he kept saying, you know, we want to hire you, we want to hire you. Mm. And it moved, then they hired me part-time and then full-time and then I became the medical director. So Amazing. I've been with them pretty much from the beginning, yeah. Yeah. And what, um, like you say, this is what I want for my patients, um, what exactly, like what was one of the first things you saw and you're like, wow, I've never been able to test that before or in that way? Yes, it was the comprehensiveness in one test. What mm-hmm. really frustrates me is when, you know, patients come in and they say, I have all these symptoms, you know, this very comprehensive list of symptoms, and then you're trying to order or get a request or encourage them to pay for multiple tests and it can become very expensive. Mm. And then, you, and then maybe they can't afford it. So they're saying, well, you know, can you pick one or two tests that maybe will give me the most bang for your buck? And then you're having to cut something out. And in, in this test, I thought, man, this is fantastic. I get all the hormones plus some, we call it hormone metabolism. So where do your hormones go in your body? Like, how, how, what pathway do they go down? Mm. I got all the stress markers, cortisol, and then some. I got melatonin so I could see what was happening at night. And then, and then the test has even grown from there. We've gotten some nutritional markers and we've gotten some, um, we've added some brain markers for mm. like the depression, the anxiety, um, the, you know, energy folks. Yeah. Um, and so it's great. It's one test and it's easy to collect. Yeah, super easy. Everyone loves a good pee test. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> everyone does it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's I'm not trying hard. to convince people to get their blood. Th- I mean, it, it's never phased me. I think mum was really good at making us just totally chilled out about that growing up. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of people just find it icky. And, and then you've got to go to a lab and sit there in the queue and all the things. So I think yeah. people like the, the mail order pee test factor. Right. And you can't really screw it up. I mean, Mm. you just have to pee on a piece of paper, let it dry, you know, and mail it in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And um, what do you, like you say it's comprehensive. So can you just give me an example um, of what we can learn from it? Like pick a person, a type of person and, and sort of talk us through how getting that test would then open up the, the full picture of what's going on for that person. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say like a very common person, um, let's say is like your perimenopausal woman. She's in her 40s and she things used to be very normal and consistent and regular. And now she's she's shifting. She's she's finding that you know, her periods are irregular. She has hot flushes and night sweats. Um, maybe she's gaining some weight. Um, and, and let's say she's having brain fog and she says, you know, I didn't used to have anxiety. Now I have anxiety. I used to sleep well. Now I'm not sleeping well. Like this whole being in your forties thing sucks. <laughs> Hello, right? 42. So I know. <laughs> I'm 40. I turned, I'll be 41 in June. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, girl, I hear you. Mm. So with, what's really nice is that I can use this test to look at various aspects. I can look at her estrogen and make sure she's not going down what we call the cancerous pathway. Mm-hmm. I can see, check her estrogen to progesterone um, balance to see, are you estrogen dominant? You know, estrogen's important, but, you know, too much will cause PMS and breast tenderness and weight gain. But then too little causes brain fog and, and bone loss and hot flashes. So mm. it's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. You know, we want to be right in the middle. Mm. And then with progesterone, you have... You have um, 
you can go down different pathways. And one of the pathways, um, we call it the alpha pathway. It helps a lot with insomnia and anxiety. And what happens is, is these women stop ovulating, you know, they're in their forties or fifties and they don't need to, they don't need to get pregnant anymore. That that biology is, is sort of headed to the end. So they don't release an egg like they used to. And if you don't release an egg, then you don't make progesterone and now you have sleep and anxiety issues because you're not producing the hormone mm-hmm. that, that counteracts those things. And so I can see these things on the Dutch test and go, okay, here's where we're at. Here's maybe why you have weight gain. Here's maybe why some cycles you have PMS and breast tenderness and other cycles, your anxiety's really bad or, or vice versa. And yeah. so, and that's just like a, you know, a little, a snippet of a super common I was going to say condition, but yeah, I was going to say perimenopause is not a condition, but (laughs) sometimes it feels like it. Sometimes (laughs) it feels like it. (laughs) Well, especially in our culture, we like to name things and treat things. It's like, it's what we do. So we, we do confuse biology with actually, you know, being a condition when it's not, it's just what we're going through at that point in our lives. Right. Um, now you mentioned the cancerous path pathway just then, and I, I'm just picturing our audience of of thousands of people, many women, going, "What cancerous pathway? What what, <laughs> what do you mean? You know?" So can you just clarify what you mean by that, just so that anyone, um, just just so we feel more comfortable knowing what you you're talking about if we go and Absolutely. get the test, yeah. For sure. So um, men and women both make estrogen. And mm-hmm. then once you've used it and it's done, you, you have to get rid of it somehow. So yeah. you go through detoxification. When you go through the first phase of detoxification, you go. You have three options you can go down. You can go down at what we call it the two pathway, like the number two, mm-hmm. the number four pathway or the number 16 pathway. And so ideally, most people primarily will go down the two pathway. That's what's considered sort of the healthier safer pathway. The four pathway, if you head down that way, um, a little bit's fine, but too, too much. And what can happen is then it can turn into, um, what's called a quinone, which with a Q mm-hmm. and the quinones are what can damage your DNA. And we don't, we don't like our DNA damage because that can increase our risk for cancer. Mm. And so we try to encourage our estrogen, like, Hey, don't go down the four pathway, go down the two pathway. Right. And then the, the last pathway is called the 16 pathway. And, and the 16 pathway used to get a lot of press years ago that it was a cancer pathway. And it turns out it's, I call it a proliferative pathway, meaning if you prefer that pathway, you tend to grow things. So your your periods are usually heavy and clots and you tend to have maybe fibroids or polyps or you you get breast tenderness and your breasts get large right before your period. But the, the even worse downside is if you happen to have breast cancer, it will make it grow and proliferate. Right. So we have to be careful with that pathway as well. Mm. And in the Dutch test, we can see which pathway our estrogen is going down? Yes. Yep. Wow, so. We do a two, a four and a 16 and that's phase one. And then we also give you the the part two, the phase two, because once you go down these pathways, then you have to get rid of it. Mm. Um, you have to neutralize it to the point where you just, you know, excrete it out. So we show you that pathway as well. Amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to looking over my test again, because I feel like I'm going to understand it even better now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now let's talk, um, let's keep talking hormones rather. So <laughs> <laughs> something that piqued my interest in the Dutch test results was the detailed analysis around cortisol and cortisone. Now, we don't talk about cortisone much. And uh, in the Dirty Gene Summit, actually, I heard you and um, Dr. Ben Lynch talk about it in in quite a lot of detail. And it was a really 
exciting thing to learn the differentiation of. And so I was super excited to have you on the show to, to share that with our audience. Can you just talk a little bit about what each of those is and what we're dealing with in both when like one's either depleted or elevated, wrong times of day, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. That's so probably I, like a two-hour show in itself, yeah. but like abridged version. Let me just let me just shorten that to a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when the body makes cortisol, um, you know, the brain tells the adrenals to put out cortisol for various reasons, and so cortisol is made first. And cortisol is what helps us handle stress. It handles inflammation. It helps our immune system. It it handles your blood sugar balance. Believe it or not, it helps prevent um, or reduce autoimmune risk. I mean, we need cortisol. It's important. But when we get too much cortisol, the body, and in, and it can do this in different tissues or through the body as a whole, can deactivate it. Just essentially turn it off. Like, okay, we're done with you. And then it turns it into cortisone. Right. And it goes back and forth all day long. So if you need cortisol in a particular muscle or you know tissue gland, then it'll turn on to cortisol. And if it's too much and it's damaging, it'll turn it into cortisone. Mm -hmm. And so what people don't realize is that you may test, let's pretend you test um, either a blood test or a, a, a urine test or a saliva test, and you have very, very low levels of cortisol. Mm -hmm. But what you don't know is if do you, do you not make it or are you just deactivating it all? So if you don't have the big picture, then you may be treating yourself for cortisol, trying to get your body to stimulate all this cortisol when the fact is you make plenty of cortisol, you just turn it all into cortisone. So mm -hmm. you're just worsening the problem. And so that's what's great about the Dutch is you'll get you'll get both answers. How much cortisol do you make? And then how much of it's getting deactivated into cortisone? Right. And when someone is having that um, situation where it's getting deactivated into cortisone, how does that present for someone? You know, fatigue is usually the biggest, mm -hmm. um, the biggest symptom. So that's why it's tricky because people, you know, fatigue is probably the biggest symptom everywhere for everything yeah, and yeah. so they think oh it's cortisol I it, it must be a cortisol problem I'm like well actually I mean it is it's a depletion of cortisol you're just making too much cortisone right um, and we need to address you know the, the the cause the why and then help you flip yourself back into cortisol mm -hmm. if that's a, if that's appropriate yeah and what do you see being some of the most common whys for that happening <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say the two biggest reasons that I see one is after um, an acute illness. Uh -huh. So my analogy is remember when like when you get the flu and you're home and you're sick and you have a fever and then all that gets better and you have to go back to work. So you don't have a fever anymore, but you're still so tired. You know, yes. you go to work and you're like, okay, I'm not feverish, but this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm exhausted. It's part of that heal and repair process. The mm -hmm. body will sort of prefer more cortisone to to help you like, hey, slow down, rest, heal. Like we're not done getting mm. you better. You know, like you can only take so many sick days, but like you kind of have to stay home a little bit more. Yeah. The other most common reason is extended long-term stress. And I see this all the time, having seen thousands of tests where people have been in a fight or flight situation for so long that the body goes, I'm over this. We're mm. going to deactivate every. We're going to deactivate you to cortisone because if you won't slow down, I'm going to force you to slow down, mm -hmm. and because you become tired. Now, as humans, we never, ever, not ever listen to our body, so we just keep <laughs> pushing or relying on caffeine um, to go. But the body is right there in the lab work. I can show people. Look, the 
your body is trying to tell you, you you actually literally need to slow down. Yeah, right. Like I think that would be the case for a lot of moldy people. I'm a moldy person recovering. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, like you just, you, you, I remember just starting to feel because you're, um, oh, there's just so many symptoms that run around in your head when you're talking about it um, that I find it hard to talk. But because you get jacked up with your nervous system and like you're buzzing and you're twitching and you're tremoring, all these crazy things are going on there and your heart's beating faster and palpitations. But because you just can't sleep and then you get so exhausted, more tired and more tired, but you're more wired because you're more and more affected by the mold. It's mm-hmm. the craziest situation. And, um, and I remember feeling like I just needed to try and sleep for days and days mm-hmm. and days. And this is probably why a lot of multi people get misdiagnosed with chronic fatigue, right? Mm. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, I mm. would definitely say so. Mm. Yeah. And, and then, uh, which, but it's also, they, they need to, but mm. they just, right. They just can't. Yeah. <laughs> They still have to live their life and they have to, you know, raise their family and they have to go to their job and they have to, you know, do stuff, go to the store. And I was at a lecture this past weekend and um, Dr. Daniel Amen was speaking of the Amen clinics, you know, the the big brain expert. He's amazing. He was amazing. Mm. And he was talking about the adrenals and the effect on the HPA axis. And he said, if you are at the point where your HPA axis is um, downregulated, you're not making as much cortisol. Um, in order to repair, he goes, I tell my patients that they have to say no for a year. And I was like, oh, that's 12 months. And he, he, I mean, the whole room was like, what? No, like, like, you mean like a month or, you know, eight weeks? And he was like, no, a year. You have to literally say no to everything you can for a solid year if you ever expect to recover. And it, he's, he's such a realist and he's so yeah. just, he puts it out there. I love it. But the whole room just went, oh. 12 months of saying no, you know. I know. (laughs) Like because we would treat that as, oh, my God, you're making me put my life on hold. Yeah. Actually, it's like you take a step back to take a billion steps forward once you're better. Yeah, it's the truth. It's exactly. Yep, exactly. But it's still hard as a a person in this day and age to – to, to say no, to set boundaries. Absolutely. We're, we're so turned on and we're so plugged in and we're so connected and we're so, you know, everybody's busy, right? When you ask your friends, how are you? I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I hate the busy culture. And it's like, I, I mean, I got really sick and I feel like it was just, it was a, you've got to always try and find the gratitude in things. There's always a great lesson. And mine was definitely to just say no more often. And, um, mm-hmm. and while I'm still very much a student in the field of saying no, I, like I'm not great at it, I feel like last year the more I said no, the more good stuff actually came up that I could say yes mm-hmm. to because I had preserved my energy for what mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think that's like a bit more of a philosophical sort of tangent that we've gone on, but I think it's an important one. Absolutely. There's this funny meme floating around and it says, if your immediate response is not heck yes, then it's a no. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's true. Yeah. If yeah. it doesn't make your heart burst with joy, like, yes, I'm, that sounds amazing. I'll do that or I'll sign up for that or volunteer for that or that let's make that happen. Then it's then it's a no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, estrogen, we, we talked about it super briefly, but I do want to dig into this because I feel like at the moment it's like being made out to actually just be a bad thing. 
and you know, mm. so, oh my god, my east, I have too much estrogen. And like, and that could be true for some people, but a lot of people in health or who are interested in health topics then tend to jump on bandwagons that they don't even need to jump on because mm-hmm. maybe their estrogen is like actually totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, women um, and even men, to a certain extent, of course, it's in the mix. We need it, um, right? And like, I'd love for you to talk us through estrogen and its different forms and their roles for us. So yeah, we absolutely. fall a little bit more in love with with estrogen. I think we need to. Well, and I, you know, this is what I tell my, um, like my menopausal women. You know, they're so they're so concerned. You know, oh my gosh, estrogen gives you cancer. It gives you cancer. And I'm like, well, but estrogen also preserves your bone health. And estrogen is what um, helps your memory, and it helps you. Prov- it's one of the ways to help prevent against Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily mean taking estrogen, but like the own est- your own estrogen in your own body is doing these things. Estrogen helps you with collagen so you don't have wrinkles. And so you have nice, healthy skin as opposed to, you know, women who wake up one day and, and they call me and they go, I look old. <laughs> what <laughs> happened? I'm like, I know it, you're losing estrogen. It's estrogen. Um, it helps with, you know, with, um, with sex. It helps with, you know, orgasm. It helps with um, just so many things. And so I tell women, I understand the cancer risk. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Um, it, and it, it helps with weight loss, believe it or not. It's especially in menopause, low estrogen is a trigger for weight gain right. and, um, it, it, high estrogen can as well. Don't it, it again, it's that Goldilocks, you know, you it's, it has to be right. Perfect in the middle, mm. but too low of estrogen. And the reason is, is the body can make estrogen out of in fat tissue. The body can take your, 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 um, androgen hormones your if in women, your guy hormones and convert it into estrone which is e1 and so if your body senses like eek we don't we don't have a whole lot of estrogen to preserve our brain and our you know our our bones and our Mm. our skin then it's going to make you gain weight and for some women unfortunately it's kind of this very 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 old um archaic survival thing for humans for women from you know way back in the day um so they would get go into menopause and gain weight um, but yeah. now and nowadays we don't need it. Most women, you know, are per- have some extra fat on them that they probably don't want. And mm. we have so many environmental estrogens floating around that are creating similar problems. But that whole that whole like sort of archaic chemistry kicks in, and women, you know, say, "I got into menopause or perimenopause, and I put on, I put on all this weight. What happened?" I'm like, "Ugh, mm. yeah, it's an estrogen response, partly." Mm-hmm. So, so yes, estrogen is. The body wants it. The body needs it. It's yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of when we do have too much of it, estrogen detoxification, it's obviously um, like I'd like to help people understand proper estrogen detoxification. I think, well, you kind of spoke about it really already in the, yeah. the pathways, and the, right? The, and the big one is a lot of people, um, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners because will will say, oh, yeah, estrogen detox, I should eat broccoli and kale and cauliflower you know i've read that these these the brassica family are really helpful for detox and it's true it's totally true but it helps particularly your phase one and so um there's a constituent in the broccoli and the kale and the cauliflower called indole Mm three carbonyl i3c or diindole methane which is dim d-i-m yeah and so people will load up on that they're like oh i have estrogen dominance i took the test online my you know Mm -hmm. practitioner said so so i'm i'm gonna eat all this broccoli and take all these pills but then what happens is they don't realize they're gonna in the end they deplete their estrogen because the the pills and the 
and the food are quite powerful and they will actually pull your estrogen out of your blood and push it into your liver to go through detox. And so now women say, well, I was feeling good, but now I'm having hot flashes and brain fog and I'm gaining some weight. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, now you've gone, you've swung the other way. Like, whoa, too much, too much broccoli caps, you know, too much dim. <laughs> step away from <laughs> the broccoli. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that's when I say, like, this is why getting your, your phase one and your phase two tested. So, you know, like you really actually need to take broccoli capsules. You know, do you really need to take that indole three carbonyl? Yeah. Maybe you need phase two instead. And or maybe you need both. Like this is why testing is important so you don't make yourself worse. Right. And then so what if you end up in a situation where you've made yourself worse, how do you – is it as simple as like stopping yep. your dim supplement and your broccoli <laughs> yes. and your, your, your body balances itself out or do you actually have to like go and eat – I don't know, organic soybeans or something like, like how do we? <laughs> no, usually they just have to stop. And usually I don't see it nearly hardly as much as with food base. I, d- I definitely don't want your listeners, listeners to freak out over broccoli, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's, it's the potent it's when it's, you know, when everything's encapsulated, then it's, it's, they make it very, very potent. And yeah. so I tell people, Hey, just lay off your capsules for a while. <laughs> lay off your tablets for a while and, and, and see because usually it does bounce back. Usually yeah. it, it rewrites itself. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yep. And um, and which form of estrogen do, does environmental chemical exposure show up in or is it across all of them? Well, unfortunately, the environmental chemicals don't um, – like they don't show up in – typical blood or even the Dutch testing. So wow. if you, okay. if I drew, if like, if I drew an estrogen and an estradiol, which is the most potent form of estrogen, if you had a whole lot of, you know, um, like plastics in your body, let's say, yeah. um, it, it won't actually, like, I can't test the plastics part, but what they do is they bind to the estrogen receptors and they cause those receptors to turn on. Mm-hmm. So you have all the same symptoms of estrogen dominance, maybe mood swings or PMS or heavy periods or weight gain or, you know, whatever. And, um, because those, the plastics or, you know, the, the BPA, the, the, the phthalates, they've all bound to the receptor and they're naughty and they, they turn everything on and, um, with, with no regard for what really needs to happen. And then the receptors go, okay. And then they just create all these estrogen dominant downstream effects. Wow. And I mean, it's just such a real problem, isn't it? Because huge people uh, haven't really caught up. Like if in a regular GP surgery, for example, you, um, or MD, you're not going to often have one that has a conversation around environmental toxin exposure when there's a high estrogen result. Right, right, yeah. exactly. And and as, as you know, and, and talk about and educate about, you know, mm. it's, it's not just... Um, you know, the chemicals, you know, some people will go, oh, I don't live in an area. I don't live around any environmental chemical places or I don't, I don't smoke. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's like, <laughs> do you toothpaste. use shampoo? Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's your lotion. It's, yeah. it's the, you know, your face cream you just put on. It's that chapstick that you just put on your, you know, before yeah. you walked in the office. It's, yeah. it's, it's the receipts, the thermal receipt you just accepted from the cashier when you bought your groceries and, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere. But that's okay. We're we're working on that. Right, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. If I've got anything to do with it, it will be. It's yes, good. thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, something that you said could be a bit of a bombshell um, to many was that adrenal fatigue does not exist. <gasps> <gasps> no. <laughs> um, yeah. So please explain. 
Well, so first and foremost, I would like to preface it by saying the fatigue part exists. When yes. people listen to this and freak out and say, you know, I oh, am tired, God. damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am tired. Carrie, you're a liar. Like, Carrie, you don't know what you're talking about. No, I, your symptoms are 100% spot on. It's the why. It's mm. the why are you so tired? It's not your adrenals. It's actually your brain. Okay. Because the adrenals aren't, um, they don't make the decision. They mm-hmm. do what they're told. They're like little soldiers. So yeah. if the general of your brain says make cortisol, they do. And if the general of your brain says stop making cortisol, they stop. So it's like we need and to so, go a step behind. Yes. In the we need to go up a level. Chain. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. We, we're going upstairs. So, yeah. Exactly. So and the, and the adrenals, they're not like the ovaries. They don't go through menopause. You know, they're not meant to shut down and stop making hormone. Um, and, and I understand like adrenal fatigue is a sexy term and it's a coined term and there's books written about it. And I fully get that. Um, but the, the why, so when people go, Oh, my adrenals, my adrenals have shut down. I'm like, well, actually they were told to, mm. <laughs> so we have to, let's look up higher. Yeah. So when we look up higher, where are we looking? Who is telling our adrenals to shut down? The, so the hypothalamus in your in your brain, mm-hmm. and then they it tells the pituitary, and it's they're highly influenced by absolutely everything. Um, your ability to make or not make cortisol is influenced by actual real things like real stress or real chemicals or real infections, but it's also influenced by um, uh, I call it uh, anticipated or perceived, which is you can, you, if you make mountains out of molehills, Mm. if you say to yourself, um, today is a beautiful day, but it's going to rain. I know it is. It always does. Mm -hmm. You know, if you already have that mindset, your brain goes, okay, it's going to rain. And then it, 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 it works appropriately. Yeah. And so I warn people, if you're a worst case scenario person, if you, if you go to the dark side, Mm. you're stressing, the brain goes, all right, let's gear up. Like clearly it's going to be a bad day and it will put out, you know, more cortisol or it'll downregulate cortisol. Depending. Right. Yeah. So I I tell people, hey, be very be very aware of what you think because your brain reacts the same whether it's real or not, especially in the world of cortisol. Especially. Yeah. If wow. You're, if you're scared in your brain, if you're having anxiety in your brain, if you're picturing images that upset you in your brain, your cortisol will go up. That is so cool. I mean, it's just cool that our bodies yeah. do these things because once you understand, then you actually know to go, right, I'm totally cheating you. I'm going to be yes. the most positive person. This morning yes. I'm going to write in my gratitude <laughs> journal and I'm going to talk yes. about the three things I'm most excited about today and have a meditation and screw you, cortisol. Yep. You are not showing exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly what I say. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sure. And so the secret lies in really understanding the HPA axis then and yes. all the things that influence our fight or flight, um, freeze even, and then the rest and digest response. So what are the components of the HPA axis that we need to understand? Is it the stuff we've already talked about between the hypothalamus pituitary talking to the adrenals? Is there more to yep. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just as, as long as you remember that anything you come in contact you know, with, everything you you know, put on your body, put in your body, the food you choose, the way you choose to respond to your family or your, your children or, you know, how you handle stress, all of that goes right to the brain. And then the brain deals it out from there. Like, okay, cortisol needs to go up or cortisol needs to go down or we, you know, and, and so you can make the biggest impact on your own HPA access just by being aware of those things in your life. Mm, and choosing to respond differently. Yes. We can't get rid of all the stress, of course. You know, I can't get rid of, you know, like there's no magic wand for that. But um, 
as long as you recognize it, like the situation is going, you know, this is stresses me and, and, you know, maybe planning ahead or say no, mm. <laughs> you're supposed to say no for a year, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, or, or do with all the things you said, choose gratitude, write, you know, write in your gratitude journal. I tell people, even um, if that's overwhelming to them, I'm like put, put happy thoughts on a post-it note and just stick it on your mirror, mm. just stick it on your car and, and then just look at it every day. It's, it's a conscious, you know, you look at it, it goes right to the brain. And the wow. brain recognizes so it. We, so it's basically like the, we are actually smarter than our brains. Yes. In a but weird the brain way. Is, but in the, our, yeah. in our, <laughs> our brain's winning <laughs> in, but this, I'm in not, this world. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about, you know, some we just can't actually avoid stress because that's so realistic. You know, quite often mm-hmm. we're told that, like, you know, people think, oh, my God, maybe I've got to go and live, like, in a monastery and just pray all day. <laughs> but, like... I, I say this with food, I say it with toxins, with anything. Like I color my hair once a month, right? And for me, mm-hmm. it's I do what I do most of the time so I can go mm-hmm. with the flow some of the time. And I think our physiology is the same, right? We do the best we can yeah. for it so that when the SHIT hits the fan and something really bad happens and we do have a, a genuine stress response, then we're okay because we're actually in a really good place physiologically. Yes. Would you say that Absolutely. that would be? Yeah. Uh, my, I, it's the bucket analogy. I tell mm, people recognize yeah. when your bucket is getting full because, because if I'm, I, my, my husband has ADD and he's dyslexic uh-huh. and so organization is, and, and cleanliness is not his thing, Yeah, but it's mine. And so I tell him it doesn't bother me at all unless I'm stressed out when my bucket is full and I start to pick on you for how disorganized and how messy you are, then you know, my bucket is full. And, and then mm. I, you know, and I recognize it too. Like, okay, hold on. This normally doesn't bother me if I'm not stressed out. So I need to make some adjustments. Yeah. So with with my, you know, friends and family and patients and clients, I say, recognize when your bucket's getting full and make adjustments. That's such a good piece of advice. Um, Would you say that it's as simple as that to really support a healthy HPA access on an ongoing daily lifestyle basis? You know, I definitely add in you know supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, I the the H the adrenal glands themselves require mm-hmm. vitamin C, yeah, um, and vitamin B five. Mm-hmm. And I think um, humans are are one of the very few mammals that do not make their own vitamin C. Uh, I was reading on um, Wikipedia, which don't judge me, but it was really interesting <laughs> <laughs> that mountain goats, when mountain goats, mountain goats, when mountain goats get stressed out, they're Okay, this sounds like this was the most fantastic web hole that you went down to get to this <laughs> moment that you're now sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Keep, totally. Please continue. Yeah. So mountain goats, when they get stressed out, I couldn't imagine what would stress out a mountain goat, but it, it their vitamin C production goes up like thousands of percent. And oh, I wow. was like, why does a mountain goat get that and humans don't? Like, what? How did they win in that? Yeah. In that, you know, des- design decision. So I tell people, you know, be aware. And vitamin C is an antioxidant. It helps protect us against toxins, and it's also important for it's antiviral. So in this very nasty flu season that went around, you know, it can be very helpful for that. Mm. So B vitamins and vitamin C. I do a lot of herbs that are good for. Um, adrenal support. They're called adaptogens. And yeah. so there's some good ones, like there's one called holy basil and ah, ashwagandha, right? Yeah. Tulsi. Mm-hmm. And I drink it as a tea every yes, night same. before bed. Oh God, it's good. <laughs> I'm addicted to that stuff. Me too. And I just found, uh, I was at a conference and rose, they have rose glycerite. It is the most oh. delicious tasting thing. So I put my rose glycerite in my Tulsi tea before bed and I I love it. Um, but ashwagandha, you know, the popular 
uh, Indian yeah. herb. And um, there, there's, you know, there's several. And so sometimes for people, I say, look, I, I can't make your kids go away, but I, but I have to keep your head above water while you're dealing with the fact that you have four kids that are driving you nuts. So let's do some of these yeah. supplements to at least help you, you know, not kill anyone. Mm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and these are tough when people have lots of tiny children. Yes. Mm. Especially when they're trying to do and be everything for everyone at the same time. They're trying to raise little children and, and many times working and, you know, financial constraints and um, the world is crazy at the moment. Mm. And, you know, it's just, I'm like, I'm, let's just keep your head above water. And yeah. Sometimes that's all we can do for the short term. Yeah, exactly. And it's about being realistic about that too and not yes. sort of making a, a mum or dad who are looking after all the tiny people, yeah, you're going to need to take two hours out of your day to meditate, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's just going to make right. them feel even worse about their yep. situation because you just get, that's your reality right now. So, mm. yeah, go the it's adaptogens. Just- it's what I tell my school, all my school teachers, you know, all my school teachers, I say, hey, look, between September and June in, in the United States, I'm like, there's, there is nothing you can do. So we're just going to keep your head above water. And mm. then once summer break hits or, you know, then, then rest and relax and heal and let's yeah. go deeper. But like, there's, I don't envy school teachers at all. Oh, the, aren't they <laughs> the most amazing humans? I oh, just, yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm constantly in awe of of being in a room full of 30 kids and actually just having control of that situation is just <laughs> that's the toughest job in the world right there impressive mm. impressive um okay so let's talk um a little bit more about testing given you work for a hormone lab um <laughs> so what do you believe are the biggest factors in why the dutch test like you've been working with it obviously for a while now um, can be so pivotal to someone's health. Like we've talked about obviously a few examples, but do you want to share like, I don't know, there must be cases that stand out in your mind as like, whoa, that person had been through so much and so many tests and around the ringer a thousand times. And then finally we were able to piece things together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was going to say the biggest, you know, the biggest thing we see a lot is that people will get screening labs. They go to their, they go to their GP and they say, I don't feel good or I feel hormonal, I think it's my hormones and, and their GP maybe runs some very basic blood work. And they're mm-hmm. like, Nope, you're fine. It's, you're fine. It, you're every, you know, it's all in your head. Don't worry. And, and then they, they get a lot more advanced testing, like the Dutch test. And I can say, no, you're, geez, you're not fine. And not only you're not fine, it just maybe the superficial level, just looking at estrogen or progesterone, but you're not fine in the pathways either. And, and I can help prevent potential future things like cancer, or I can at least help say to them, okay, you have all these symptoms because, you know, your estrogen is high and it's going down the wrong pathway and you can't clear it out of your liver. So it's backing up Mm. and you're not ovulating. This is why, you know, you can't sleep or you can't get pregnant or you can't, you know, your anxiety is through the roof or, you know, oh, here over here, I can say, you know, this is why you have so much acne. Um, because your testosterone is going down the acne pathway and there's a, there's a pathway that causes mm. acne. And so, so wow. people get, you know, they get really frustrated. They, these women go, go to their doctor and they say, you know, I'm having acne or I'm having hair loss. And, and they run a few superficial cursory labs and go, no, no, everything's fine. But you know, when we dive deep and look at these pathways, I can go, yeah, it's true. Your level, your, your testosterone level itself is fine. But when you break it down, it goes down the pathway that causes acne. So let's help stop that. <laughs> like, mm, let's, absolutely. like, let's, let's stop that. And, and the same for fertility, you know, a lot of women, fertility, as you know, is, 
is like ginormous in our infertility. And so it's, it's so wonderful for me that I have, um, I hear just so many positive stories and, you know, we get baby pictures of people who've run, you know, run the Dutch test. And, um, we even have an expanded panel where women test every day, almost every day of their cycle. And then we, we graph it out for them. We show them their estrogen and progesterone in this pretty little graph all month long. And, and I can pinpoint, I can go, look, look right here. This is why I think this is why you're not getting pregnant or look right here. This is why you get a migraine. And I, or, you know, like this, right, this right here is why, you know, you have these symptoms because you, either go up too much or you crash down too hard or you don't go up at all. And, and so I can say, this is the problem, mm. um, which is what I loved. This is what I, which I, which I love. Cause I, it, nothing drives me more crazy than when patients come in and say, well, my doctor said I was fine. I'm like, yeah, but do you feel fine? Like, yeah. <laughs> how do you feel? <laughs> well, I think this is where we're at today. We have to recognize that there is a gaping hole between um, the lab tests that we get done at a regular doctor's visit and what's actually going on. I think it's, it's, I mean, we cannot, <laughs> we cannot keep right. waiting to see abnormal labs in a doctor's office to do something because that day may actually never come. My blood work was perfect and I mm-hmm. had upwards of 20 symptoms with SIRS, you know, and, and mm-hmm. yet my blood work looked perfect and so you were fine yeah I'm just like okay so I'm like twitching and tremoring thinking I've got some sort of terminal illness here yeah I really don't feel fine and um, <laughs> and and there was nothing that could be done so I think it's really important that we realize these tests exist out there where really there are things that can be done and there are more options that you can go deeper and sometimes you're just one of those people that you do need to go deeper yeah absolutely and, and be your own health advocate I mean mm. I fully realize I'm a hundred percent biased and work for the Dutch test, but there are so many other fantastic labs out there. There, yeah. there are great, there are great environmental company tests. There's, there's stool testing to tell you if you have things growing or not growing in, you know, in your, in your intestines and your mm. gut and to check your microbiome. And there's, there's tests to tell you if you've got exposures to thing and heavy metals. And, and I know people get overwhelmed like, Oh, where do I start? But mm. you know, you, sometimes you have to be your own health advocate to look these things up and go, Oh, this, this test is what I think I need first based on all my symptoms. Yeah. Or I need a few tests. I think I need to get my hormones checked and I think I need to do a stool test because I have gas and bloating or, you know, constipation or diarrhea or what have you. And, and let's look further. Yeah, absolutely. And something about, um, the Dutch test, which I found interesting was having to do the P test on day 19. Um, Mm -hmm. and, but like I have, um, uh, irregular periods and, uh, they, funnily enough, okay, here's a weird thing for you. Um, hormone queen, you may be able to help me here. Um, so I had a surgery for a blocked tear duct, which sadly, of course, once I finally figured out the mold thing was probably a surgery that never needed to happen because it was, Mm. that's one of the classic signs. Um, of SIRS. But anyway, I digress. So after that (laughs) general anesthetic, I think that was what tipped my bucket over for everything that I had been, that had been building up with the mold and, um, and sent me into inflammation land. And, um, but something crazy that happened during that time was that my period became a 28 day period, like bang on every 28 days. I was like, wow, this has never happened in my whole (laughs) life. And during the worst possible physical time in my life, I'm yet still having this one lovely thing happen where I actually have a regular period. But then as I started to feel 
better and heal and bring down my inflammation, my period went back to being like a bit 35 day, 38, 32, you know, around there somewhere. It, like how weird is that, right? That's that's really weird that you did the complete opposite of what I would have expected. I know. <laughs> I know. No one's yet been able to, to figure it out. It's, it's just this strange thing that happened. But so um, long and short of it is, is that I went to do my Dutch test thinking I was still on a 28-day or so I did it on day 19. But lo and behold, my period decided to not come till day 42 that month. Oh. Um, and so does that mean I should just, you know, um, wait until the, the coins are in the bank again and, and do it again? Do you think it's pivotal that we get yes. that, that day right? Yeah, and the reason the day is so important, we try to get the um Because my progesterone looked test. like I was in menopause, basically. Yeah, yeah. that you probably, hmm. if you were going to ovulate, you probably had not ovulated yet, exactly. which is why we want women to test in the second half of their cycle. The first half is called the follicular phase. Second half is the luteal or luteal phase. And we mm. want to test in that second half because we want to catch the progesterone rise. You, you yeah. kick out an egg and then the tissue left over is what makes progesterone. So, so if it, you collected day 19, but didn't start till day 42, you were, you could have easily been pre ovulation or mm. just, yeah. 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 Cool. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And, and then in that case, I tell women just push it up instead of day 19, maybe you, you would do it like day 30. Yeah. You wow. know, you just, just, you just to be shift safe. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if your period ends up coming on day 32, it wouldn't matter. Nope. It does matter. <laughs> oh, it does matter. <laughs> so, oh goodness. Yes, okay. I know. So if for those women who are very, who are irregular, what yeah. we suggest is, you know, try you, well, you can always do the ovulation predictor kits mm-hmm. um you can go to the you know the grocery store yeah, the yeah, pharmacy yeah. and yeah and get those and once it's positive you you, you basically pee on those every morning and once it's, you get a positive stripe then um stop doing those you know you're about to ovulate and mm-hmm. then you just count forward five to seven days and then you would do your dutch test or any hormone test ah, so for you, your example tip. let's yeah. pretend you did it you know you did them and you were like oh i got a stripe on day you know 20 or 25 and mm-hmm. then you would just count forward yeah and, gotcha. and do it then. Now, the other thing you can do is you, if you think you've got it right and you do the Dutch test, you let it completely dry. So mm-hmm. let it dry for 24 hours and then you put it in a little bag and then you put it in the freezer mm-hmm. and you wait because we want about, we want, you know, four to seven days between collection and your period starting. So mm-hmm. if you, like your example, if you said, if I collected on day 30 and got my period on 32, that's only two days. Mm. So then you would have to scrap it and then you would have to start over the next month. Ah, so that's a way to kind of like, so you would literally probably just have a small fee of getting the new strip sent out kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So that's a yep. way to avoid getting the whole yes. analysis done. Yeah. Because cool. otherwise, if you send it in, you know, then um, you're going to get charged and it's not going to be that accurate. I mean, it's going to be accurate for the day you collected, but not the information you're looking for. Yeah. Would it be accurate for your cortisol, cortisone and, and melatonin yes. and things like that yep. though? Yeah, yep. cool. Everything so, else. Everything, everything else. else except the sex hormones. Yeah, well, except estrogen and progesterone, just yeah. those two. Oh, yep. okay, cool. Yeah, okay. even testosterone will be accurate. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. there are still some things that I can yeah. go back and go, okay, that was true. <laughs> yeah, and, and your detox, you know, when you look at your, your estrogen pathways, those yeah. are still totally real and accurate. It's yeah. just um, really, if your estrogen is supposed to be, you know, a little – I guess a little higher in the luteal phase, um, maybe you missed it. Or if, you know, like you said, your progesterone looked menopausal. So mm-hmm. you either didn't ovulate or you were not yet into the right phase. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, and I guess, I mean, there's so much 
I, I still <laughs> feel like once I <laughs> dig into these sorts of topics, I'm like, okay, let's turn it into a 10-part series. And yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you excited about that you guys have on the cards? Because this is a test that you guys add to a lot. Like it, it's mm-hmm. incredibly gen- – and it doesn't really tend to go up in price too much. It's more like the technology becomes more sophisticated to be able to give you more for what you're right. you're getting, which I just love the right. the generosity of that. It's lovely. It's um that's definitely our owner. He's one of his big philosophies is that it's um functional medicine in general is expensive. It's and he so said, expensive. I, yeah. He said I I want this test to be affordable to the point where my mom could afford it. That's yeah. what he always says. If my mom needed to have functional medicine testing, could she afford this test? And that's sort of his his gauge when he when they work on price setting, which is really wonderful because we want obviously we want our test to go, you know, to the masses, but really it's education. Mm. We're, we stand for education. And and my personal big belief is that I want to, I want for people to understand hormones um, at an easy level, not a basic level, because I I want my people to understand the hard stuff too, but I want it to understand it like, oh, okay. Like that's why I have this in my body. And that's what that gland is doing. And that's why my symptom is this, or that's why my risk factor is that and mm-hmm. what they can do about it. Yeah. Um, so, but as far as upcoming stuff, we're, we're actually looking to add on to our little organic acid section. Ooh, so that's exciting. Got, that's a yeah, great we've got section. Some, mm. um, other neat markers that are hopefully coming out uh, later this year. Awesome. And we can just follow yeah. you on Instagram for the latest yes. on that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Such a absolutely. great feed. I'll pop it in the show notes, guys, so that you can join Carrie there. Um, now, to finish up, if you had to think of just a couple of things that people could do to support having the healthiest hormones on the planet, what would be your top two? <laughs> this is easy. Okay. My, top, my very number one is to um, pet a dog pet a dog Aww, or nice. a cat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and you know, make sure it's a nice dog or a nice cat. And, but <laughs> when you pet animals, it releases a hor- that your bonding hormone called o- oxytocin and oxytocin is the hormone that comes out when you, with babies, when you breastfeed and it's that bonding hormone, but you get the same feeling with when you snuggle your dog or snuggle your cat or, you know, you're petting them and they're looking up at you and you're just melting into their eyes yeah. and oxytocin is anti it's anti-stress and it, yeah. it reduces inflammation and it helps with sleep and it, it makes you feel loved and not lonely anymore. And so I'm like, just, if you have a dog, go pet it. If you have a cat and it's a friendly cat, cause not all cats are. No, but like those, actually, those... just as soon as you said that, I was just like, I'm so glad you specified it had to be friendly because yes. my, my husband bought me a cat as like the baby warm up gift years ago. Um, it was just, you know, the year before I, I had gotten really itchy around wanting to have a, a little baby and he, uh, he was like, here's a cat. <laughs> 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 okay and uh, it was a very sweet cat but I had had cats in the past and they were those cute sort of fat sit on your t- sit on you to watch a tv show for four hours go to sleep eat that's pretty much all they did and they were divine mm-hmm. but this cat was a Burmese cat and these cats are freaks they oh. are so energetic <laughs> they are mind game playing they play tricks on you and so this cat worked out that because I worked from home 
that it wasn't getting enough attention. He wasn't getting enough attention. So he would chew through my computer cables because he knew that that would mean the computer wouldn't work and that I'd be more likely to have oh. time on my hands. <laughs> what a sneaky cat. It don't pet that so, cat. No. So <laughs> we had to it. move. Don't expect your oxytocin to go up. <laughs> so I started and then he started swiping at me. And so I was like, wow, this is crazy. This cat really doesn't like me. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's not going to be the cat for bringing, for putting my no. health, um, first. That will not help. No, 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 <laughs> no. And then, okay. So and then we're my petting two happy, things. happy animals. And then number two. Number two is to, um, this is a very sad one for me, but I, this is the one, like I follow my advice most of the time, except this one piece of advice, get off your phone before bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that, that is, you know, as you, as you educate on like that fake, light that oh, yeah. emits from your phone completely screws up your melatonin production and your melatonin, your pineal gland in the, in your brain that makes melatonin helps you with all of your rhythms. It helps your sleep rhythm, but for women, it helps your reproductive rhythm. And, um, I have those red, you know, I have those blue light blacking glasses, my mm-hmm. I have red glasses. Sexy. And I change, I now have, I changed yeah. the background to my, of my phone to red and, mm-hmm. um, which you can, people can Google how do you, ch- I don't yeah, know how to do it. Easy. Android, yeah. right. Yeah. On an iPhone, I just change it to red. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but again, I, I was in Dr. Amon's lecture this, this last weekend and he was just going, he just had all this great re- research and all these brain scans of people who don't sleep and what happens when they don't get enough sleep. And he quoted this study of people who were on their phones late at night, like they don't make enough melatonin, like 55% less melatonin production. And their their onset of sleep is an hour and a half later, and that means it takes them an extra hour and a half to wake up. Now, they wake up, but to feel awake. You know, people yeah. are awake in the morning, and they're like, oh, I need my coffee before I can feel awake. Mm. It's it, it's because they get a shift in their melatonin, and and I thought, oh, damn it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I really need to be off of my phone. Yeah you know, a solid hour or more before bed. I am super guilty, super guilty. I'm guilty as well. But the thing that I do, I've definitely stopped like chatting in my um, student groups and things like that for our courses that I just don't do after 10, 10 10.30 tops. Now I go to bed (laughs) tops, like if we've got a course active. Whereas before I was like, I just want to help everybody and I would be doing it until my eyes were falling out of my head and, and that's just not healthy. So I, I give myself a limit on that. I go to bed around 11. Um, and uh, and if I am in my bed, I'm only allowed to read a book and with the night shift screen mm. and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, that's the only thing I let myself do now. No social media, no no thinking about new things. I just want it, yes. you know, just something very calming. And um, I, I agree. It's really hard. And it's hard mm-hmm. when your dynamic is one of communicating with people online. I struggle with it all yes. the time. I, I get And especially – Right. With the time differences, if, mm. if, you know, my, if my Australian friends or, or, or practitioners or providers, um, who've become friends, you know, if they're writing me on, on Instagram or they're responding to something, you know, it's, it's a whole different time zone. And so, yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we recognize it, but at the same time, they're still my friends. So I still want to respond and, or if they send something funny or, well, you know, whatever, I'm yeah. like, Oh, I just have to respond to this one person. And yeah. Who becomes my, 200 people. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and my, my husband does not have a medical background at all. He's, he's actually military uh, in the United States and, but he's very smart and he, he'll look at me in bed and go, you know, you're killing your melatonin. And I'm like, <laughs> do as I say not as I do geez (laughs) well you've made it the number two thing so we really have to do this yeah yes yeah yep 
Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to leave that there. In fact, I'm going to leave our chat there. Gosh, this has been beautiful. Thank you so much for your extremely generous spirit explaining some things that are really basic, but it's almost uh, and and more complex. But I often like to go into those basics because I feel like health gets so complicated online for the people who feel like they need to reach out and start reading things and people can feel overwhelmed and silly Mm -hmm. not to ask the basics. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it's always really important to cover them and I I really appreciate that you you indulged us there today in – in both the simple stuff and the really exciting, meaty, more complex stuff because um, of of all the tests I've looked at getting done, at the Dutch seem, for me, it was a no-brainer and this is by no means a sales podcast. We haven't both been paid or, you know, to do this nope. chat today at all. It's just getting, you know, there are just so many people in our low-tox community who've either been affected because of environmental toxins, um, you know, uh, living on farms and lots of pesticides and all that kind of stuff or just modern daily busy stuff and, mm-hmm. and you know, have some complex things that need ironing out and aren't getting the answers, which is why I just love bringing a test like this forward. So I want to say thank you, Carrie. It's been an absolute pleasure and joy um, chatting and, uh, and everyone should just go and follow your Instagram. It's a fantastic feed for anyone who <laughs> wants to learn more about hormones. And, um, yeah, you do it in such a beautiful way. You know, it's serious stuff, but you, you have a good laugh. And I think the world needs that. So it's awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. This yeah, has been wonderful. <laughs> Yay. Well, have a beautiful, what is it for you? It's an evening, right? So have a beautiful evening. It is an evening, evening yes. I am yeah. a Wednesday evening. <laughs> yeah. And I will see you on Instagram, but don't stay up late now, okay? <laughs> yes. I, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you okay. Soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. <laughs>